How's everyone? Good. Good? Everyone good? Yeah. Good. I gotta preach the word this morning. So I need to know. Everyone's good. <laughs> so I gotta preach it. But now, for those of you who don't know me well, or even some of you that know me, I haven't always been comfortable preaching. When I, I came from a conservative church background, so where women don't preach really or lead much of anything. So, but so when um, at our past church that we kind of grew as leaders and all this, um, they encouraged me to preach, and I slowly grew into the call and accepted it. Um, it's not something that at first that I wanted to do at all. So anyway, but I feel like God's given me a word, and I'm secure that he has spoken this morning. So thanks for listening. I'm just giving you a little bit about me. <laughs> so I want to talk about uh, being a prophetic people. And I felt like the title for the morning is A Prophetic People, um, Ears Tuned to the Father and Hearts Yielded to Him. Um, God's been speaking to me about the prophetic, just like what it is, as some of you may or may not have experienced, the prophetic can be kind of really limited and restricted to, you know, we come on a Sunday and we get a nice word for our neighbor, for our person here. And there's nothing wrong with that, you know, getting a prophetic word for Mike, for instance, or for Anne, if I had a word for them and said God loves you, or something to edify and encourage the body. Um, that's kind of what I've thought that being a prophetic people is. But at Restoration, we feel called to be a prophetic people. We feel like God has spoken them for us. Yes, we have our vision, and we have who, but this is something of our DNA and who we are as a people, just to be a prophetic people. So what does that mean? And I felt stirred. And then we had um, a little teaching a couple weeks back from um, a prophetic guy who came in. Some of you knew and some of you were there, Mike Hanchett. And he brought some clarity and coupled with what I felt God was saying already. So I'm going to share it this morning. So restoration, we desire to be a prophetic church. Uh, people who is prophetic. What does it mean? We need to know what it means. In essence, I believe it means two things. The first thing is wanting more of God. I don't think you can be a prophetic people and be content or complacent with where we're at or what we have of God. Um, that doesn't mean we're not content or that we're not thankful for what God's done in our lives or for what he's already shown us. It just means that we have like a vision from the Lord of what it looks like when his kingdom comes to earth. And we have that vision and we see that vision and it makes us want more because I don't know about you, but is every person saved, healed, delivered, set free? Every single person? No. So that's what being a prophetic church is. We see that there's this vision of what it looks like when the kingdom comes, and everybody being saved, everybody being healed, everybody set free, and that causes us to want more of God. And we live in this tension of wanting more of God, but also being satisfied completely in Him and in what He's done but knowing there's more. So to be prophetic, we don't just go to church and on a Sunday and watch a good show or a bad show, either way. We don't just do that and then we go and do our week. Um, we want more of God. We come expecting. We want to hear God together. We want him to come and meet with us in the meeting. Um, we don't want to move on. That's why in worship we stay, because you feel God's there. We're like, Lord, what do you want to do? We don't always get it right, but that's what being a prophetic people is, is we learn and we want to, to walk us out with him. So we don't compartmentalize our Christian 
like our Christian day on Sunday and then the rest of our life. We're eagerly pressing in for more. And secondly, so it's being, being hungry and wanting more of God, wanting to see more of his will in our lives. Secondly, it means being able to, or being a people who hear God's voice, the Father's voice, and are willing to do what he says. So that simplicity of hearing the Father and doing what he says, obeying. And that's simply the prophetic, more than giving an exhorting word to your neighbor. It's actually hearing God for your life and for us, and then doing what he says, being willing to obey. As always, Jesus is our example. He was described in scripture as many things, right? He was priest, high priest, Lord, savior, king, many things, a healer, but, and he's a teacher, but he's also a prophet. And Jesus was a prophet, and we don't always think about that or hear about that. Um, and as a prophet, he set people free. He cast out demons as a prophet. He healed the sick. As a prophet, he proclaimed the kingdom, advanced the kingdom. But how? Mainly because his life was in perfect submission to the will of the Father. So it's not as much as what he did as it was that he was in perfect submission to the will of the Father. Jesus always heard the Father's voice, and he always did what the Father said. So that's what being prophetic is. Jesus is our example. And some of this was just kind of, you know, good for me to expand my thinking again about what being prophetic means and what it means to follow God with our whole heart. So Jesus lived a life in perfect submission to the Father. And as I said earlier, we often limit the prophetic to being very small, but it's everything that Jesus did. It's everything he did when he walked the earth. He revealed the Father to us perfectly, the Father's heart in everything that he did. It's a lifestyle of obedience. It can be said that the love language of God is obedience, which, you know, that's kind of hard. I actually push back on that a little bit, being American and being a strong, you know, and Hugh and I both very independent people, grew up pretty independent, make our own decisions. Um, but God's love language is obedience. And, you know, sometimes it just doesn't sit well. But it's like, no, he's not just our Savior, he's our Lord. And when we get saved, he's our Lord of our life, too. And he wants our obedience. So when he speaks, we go. When he says, plant the church, we go. When we plant the church. And when he says, stay in Chicago, we stay in Chicago. If he says, go, you go. You know, so that's, I think, just God's love language of being is obedience. Not us kind of sometimes consulting him and other times not. Or picking and choosing what scriptures will follow, but taking the whole counsel of God. John 14, 15, I'm just going to read a few scriptures. If you love me, you'll keep my commands. Just talking about how God's love language is obedience. John 14, 21, whoever has my commands and obeys them, he's the one who loves me. John 8, 31 and 32, if you hold to my teaching, you are my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So obedience to God's will is how we have freedom. Obeying him and his will is how we live in freedom. It's not like someone breaking it off of you, even though that can happen. A lot of it is in just living out God's ways and his commands and his word. And Matthew 7, 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Again, obedience. 
Someone might think they know the Lord, but God is saying, I don't know you because you don't do my will. So that, that's, the, that's the reality of that scripture, is obedience marks a true follower of Jesus. So, being a prophetic people is, just in summary, about being a people who want more of God, hunger for more of God on the earth, and desire to do the will of the Father. We hear his voice, and we follow him. Whether it's, you know, I'm going to move on. So, some of us might say, well, what's God's will? Because that's the first question that I have is, well, how do you know God's will? And a lot of people have that question. Well, I want to do what God wants me to do, but I don't know His will. Um, or I don't know all of it. And so that's a question a lot of us have, but God hasn't hidden His will from us. He hasn't, He is not a God who plays games and hides His will for us, as many of you guys know. He shows us His will in Jesus, which is what we got to earlier, Jesus being our example. Jesus, the way he lived, is God's will. Going around, doing what Jesus did, is the will of the Father. Jesus revealed his will in everything. He revealed the Father's will in everything that he did. So it's not like God the Father is in heaven and he's angry with us, and Jesus is the one that wants to save us and has grace and mercy. No, the grace and the mercy and the love of Jesus represents the love and the grace and the goodness of the Father and God in heaven. So anyway, back to his will. We can find so much of his will in scripture, right? So, so much of the will of God is in the Bible. Um, and we have to learn it, but because I mean, I don't know word fully. But he told us in Matthew 10, 6 through 8, Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, Freely you have received, so freely give. Freely you have received, freely give. So I'm going to read five things that are the will of God for sure, that we can say this is for sure the will of God. One, it's that we give. Freely we have received, so freely give. It's his will that we give. That we give all the things we receive freely is salvation, forgiveness, sonship, healing, it's his will that we freely give those to other people. We haven't earned any of that, right? So we haven't earned any of that. And so freely we have, and freely we give of our time, we give of our resources, or whatever God's asking us. It's, so that's the will of God. It's also the will of God, secondly, that none should perish. Do we believe that? That it's God's will that no one should perish? Because I know I come from a church background where I think sometimes they think, well, some should and some shouldn't. But do we believe that none, God's will is that no one will die, no one will perish, no one will spend eternity in hell. He wants everyone to be saved. And so we just receive that, accept that reality that that's God's will for everyone to be saved. That's 2 Peter 3 9. Thirdly, it's the will of God that we make disciples. We have the Great Commission, Matthew 28. God wants us to go into all the earth, make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them to obey everything He's commanded. So that's the will of God, is that we disciple people, that followers of Christ be baptized, and that they learn God's ways. So those are all things we can know about as well. Fourthly, we can know that it's God's will that we all serve in the kingdom, because Jesus was a servant. Mike was talking on this um, when we were back at the conference a couple weeks ago. He was talking about Jesus being a servant. I can't put that on there. It's going to wait now. Jesus was a servant of the Lord. So as we're following his example, we're all servants. 
And I'll read in Isaiah 61. No, no, sorry, Isaiah 42. This is God talking about Jesus. Here is my servant Jesus, whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. It goes on to say, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you, and I will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles, to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, this is my name. So Jesus was a servant of God, and that's what he was called to do, is release prisoners, set captives free, and open blind eyes. But he's also called all of us. He's also anointed us in the same way, and called each of us in the same way, and anointed us to do the same thing. And he doesn't leave us, he says, he takes our hand, and he keeps us. He keeps us, he holds us, and he anoints us to open blind eyes, free captives, and release people from darkness. Let's just read Isaiah 61, even though it'll be really low. It's gonna fall. So that was Isaiah 42. All of you guys know, most of you, but I'm sure know Isaiah 61. But I'll read it anyway, because I read it this morning, and it felt re-worthy. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who grieve and die, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of spirit of despair. God has anointed us. He has called us. And this morning when I was reading that, the word me just jumped out at me. He's called me to do these things. He's anointed me. He's given me his spirit. He's taking my hand. He's calling me. He's keeping me. And he's the one who's going to do it. It's not us. He's doing it all. But he wants to use us. And we have his anointing. And sometimes when we feel pressure or like we have to do something, we don't. We just need a rest in the anointing of God that's on our lives. Rest in what he's going to do through us. When we feel, Lord, I can't. Maybe it's too much for me. Or maybe I'm not worthy. We rest in him. Because it says he does, he does it all. He's the one who sets people free. I know you guys know this. I say I know this, but I don't always know this. And he's the one who sets people free. He's the one who saves people. He's the one who heals. He's the one who delivers. But he wants to use us. But sometimes it just feels weighty. And I felt God just remind us this morning. He's anointed us. He's called us. He's chosen us for this time. And he wants to use us. So, we're servants. We're servants of, of in the kingdom. We know that that's the will of God for us as believers. So those things are all... Oh, I had one more. The fifthly, it's God's will that we follow his word and his ways laid out in scripture. I know Hugh preached on forgiveness. I uh, mentioned forgiveness the other night at Connect Group, small group. That's just one of the ways 
But God has given us, like I said, his word, his word, which has tons of things that we know are God's will when we go in there. So when we say we don't know God's will, sometimes it's just the basics. It's just do the basics. He wants us to forgive. He wants us to walk in obedience to his word. He wants us to love our neighbor. He wants to love the people around us. Um, it's just the basics are in scripture, but we need to know the word. So as a prophetic people, we're hungry to know God's ways and his commands, and we want to walk them out in like true authenticity, which, you know, it's not easy. So those things are God's will for each of us, so we know. Well, what is your will, Lord? Well, we know those things are his will. So sometimes we don't hear the specific will of God for our lives at the specific timing. We can always go back to those things and just do those things. Um, but he does have specific will for us too because he's such a good father. He has specific plans and destiny for each of us and he wants us to walk into those things. He wants us to. What father wouldn't want their children to walk into the things that he has for them? So hearing God for more specific things for our lives, like the day-to-day -day stuff, we need ears tuned to the Father. That's a phrase I thought God gave me. It's something we have to learn. It's not like always so easy, but it's something we have to learn. But we can do it. God wants to speak to us. Again, what father wouldn't want to communicate to their child? God wants to speak to us. He wants to communicate to us. He wants relationship. And he's not trying to speak a language we don't understand. What parent would do that? Not a good God. Not a God who wants to reach people. And, but he wants to speak to us. And I don't always listen. You know, sometimes I don't sit and take the time. I just don't sit and take the time. Um, or you sometimes have these feelings like he's angry at you. Or, some, or withholding something from you. And those things are lies from the devil. I know it's uh, preaching basics. But those things are not from God. And I fall into it too. So I think to hear God, we have to actually want to hear God. Because how can you hear God if you don't actually ask and say, Lord, please speak to me. I want to hear you. I want to hear you for my life. I want to hear you for today. Please speak to me. And then listen. Tune our ears. And for those of us who are parents, yeah, for those of us who are parents, you know, how desperate you are for your children to listen to you. I mean, you're just like, you want to get through stuff to them, right? You just want to teach them things, and sometimes, not Liam, he never tunes out, but other children tune out. <laughs> and you know that sometimes they're deep in a movie or deep in a game, and you're talking to them, and at our house, I'm always like, when mom and dad speak, we need you to tune in. We need you to hear my father's voice, hear my mother's voice, and answer, respond, do, listen. As you can see, I'm passionate <laughs> about that. So that's our hearts for our kids, and it's the same with us with God. I think sometimes we're distracted, we're deep into things, we got all these worries and things, and he's calling us, speaking to us, and we're just not tuning in to him. So we have to train ourselves I have to train myself to listen and hear God. This is not meant to be heavy. I really hope it's not heavy at all. 
It's just what God's been speaking to me. Um, the Bible says, John 10 verse 27 says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. In Proverbs 8, 34 through 35, Blessed are those that listen to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorways. For those who find me, find life, and receive favor from the Lord. That tells us to go daily to hear God, waiting and watching and listening for Him. So some practicals. I'm almost finished. I just want to give us some practicals on how to hear God because we've been given some practicals and I know some of you had and it's just good to be reminded that God does give us handles. So first we desire, right? The desire, which we talked about, just asking him to speak. And then submitting ourselves to God. When we come before him and we say, Lord, can you speak to me? I want to hear you. I, it's, it's, it's a good time to surrender. Just, just to say, I've submitted to you, I surrender everything to you right now. I've got all these worries, I've got all these concerns, but Lord, I'm just giving them all to you right now, and I submit to you completely. Thirdly, resist the devil. Resist the devil. The Bible says, resist the devil and he flees. So I say, Lord, I surrender to you, I belong to you, and I resist the work of the devil, and I resist his lies, and I resist anything he would do to come against me hearing from you, and I give myself completely to you right now. It's good to, you know that seems like a little formulaic, but it actually does really help when we do that. And then wait on God. And it's usually the first thing that comes to mind. It's not something we can try too hard at or make happen. So you can't like try to hear God, so then you're busy trying. It's just wait on Him. And it's generally the first thing I find that comes to mind. Um, or to your heart. And we don't have to overthink it or overanalyze it. Just believe. Just believe it. God can speak to us through Scripture. I wrote down some things. Or actually, I had a list of ways God speaks to us from Scripture. And there's so many ways He can speak to us. And I'm going to read them just because it's in the Bible. So if any of these ways are fine for God to talk to us. It says, A still small voice through a prophetic word or picture given to you through a prophetic song, through the word of God, scripture, when you read a scripture and it jumps out at you or a Bible verse comes to you, that's God speaking to you. Scripture says he speaks to us through creation itself. Romans 1.20, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. So creation itself tells us about God and his power and his might. Be out, maybe that means be out in nature. Let God speak to you when you're outside and when you can just see his majesty. It helps, it helps to be able to hear God sometimes when we're in that, in his bigness. Through visions and dreams, I, I pray over my kids at night. I rebuke bad dreams, nightmares, and any fear that will come harm them at night. And I pray that God speak to them in visions and dreams because God speaks to us that way while we sleep. Seven is tongues and interpretation. God does use tongues and interpretation. Eight, through impressions from the Holy Spirit, giving us a sense, kind of like an impression from God, and you just have a sense on your heart. Through angels, you can speak through angels in the Bible. He has, he's never spoken to me through an angel. Signs and wonders, God uses signs and wonders. It's good for us to hear this list so that we can expand our 
you know, our mind of how God can speak to us and not limit God. Through people where something someone says to you jumps out at you. So through people. Like if Megan is over for coffee and she says something to me and it just jumps out and it was anointed and it sticks and it goes to my heart and God did something. So he speaks to you that way. And there's more ways. I know in scripture he spoke to people through animals. So God will use any way to speak to us if we listen and if we want to hear. But lastly, believe what he says. Believe what he says. That's so important. And I struggled with doubt. I know I seem strong right now. I mean, not really, but like some of you have known me, may think I seem strong, but you didn't know me 10 years ago when I was completely full of lies and doubt. Completely. Lies about myself, lies about God, lies about people. Completely. And doubt. Doubt everything. Um, and God's done a work. You know, he's done a work. It's a battle. It was a battle. That was my biggest area, was in my mind. But it was a battle, and it's a battle to fight that all the time. But believing is really important. The Bible says unbelief is a sin. It's a sin. And the Bible also says doubt makes you a double-minded man that's unstable. And I even felt challenged at one time. You need to be stable. Like, how can God give you things if you're not stable? But I was allowing doubt to come in, and it was making me double-minded. Imagine if we doubt all the time if we should be here, sorry, in this church, how unstable we'd be. One minute thinking we're called, the next minute we're not. I'm not saying we have to be perfect, but just seeing how doubt gets in, and it causes you not to have conviction on the things that we do and the things God speaks to us. So we have to do warfare. The Bible says take captive every thought, every thought, and make it obedient to God. Don't allow these thoughts to take root. As soon as they come, cast them out. Make it obedient to God. I say, Lord, that's not from you. I will not think that. And then dwell on scripture. And that's what you do when the enemy attacks your mind. And that, for me, is a real personal thing. I know other people get attacked in other areas. But that's, you know, well, everyone has their things. Remember that the enemy comes to lie, to steal, to kill, to destroy. To lie, steal, kill, and destroy. Any of that is from the devil. He's the one who brings condemnation, confusion, guilt, shame, regrets. Constantly lies to us. That's all the work of the devil. And we have to rebuke it and make it obedient to Christ. Jesus does not bring condemnation or fear or doubts. He brings peace. It brings rest, life, hope. He doesn't want us living under those lies. But the enemy doesn't want us living in the fullness of what God has for us. And that's real. And it's real. So we need to be aware of the strategies of the enemy in our own lives. Stay in community. Worship. Worship passionately. That's why we worship passionately. It's warfare. Worship passionately. Worship with your whole heart. Pray. Those are warfare. Stay in fellowship. The enemy uses isolation. Stay in fellowship. Community. Those are all just hopefully helpful things. But applications for us, just in closing, just back to being a prophetic people, just come. Come to God and come to church expectant. Expecting God to meet with us, expecting and asking for more of God in our lives, for more of Him in our church, for more of Him in our neighborhoods, 
more in our city, more of his kingdom come. Come expect him. Say, I think it was Mike that said every time he goes to bed, he says, Lord, I want everything you have for me. Everything you have for me. Which is, you know, something I don't always say, but that's pretty, it's a pretty good thing to pray. I want to have everything you have for me. Tune our ears to the Father. Train our ears to hear the Father's voice, giving him, you know, giving our worries and our things and just listening to him. And then obeying him, keeping our hearts soft and surrendered to Jesus. Because he's good, he's faithful regardless of our circumstance. He is good and he is faithful, always. And we can trust him, no matter what. Think that means I'm done? I'm done. So, yeah, I want to um, 